Romans 11, starting in verse 33. Oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments, how inscrutable his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord, or who has been his counselor, or who has given a gift to him that he might be repaid? For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be glory forever. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, in just these few verses, there's so much about who you are. God, and in these verses, you say we can't comprehend completely who you are. So today, we need you desperately to anoint the preaching of your word. God, that you would open up our hearts, that we might understand in a deeper measure, that we might walk in joy because of who you are, Lord. And God, I pray now that you would fill me afresh with your spirit, that I would be led by you, God, during this time that you would bear fruit for your glory. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I have to be honest with you. I was looking forward to this day because the first 11 chapters of Romans is theology. It's great. It's deep. I did the best I could. But it is so incredible, it's so unbelievable, and I was kind of waiting for this time because verses or chapters 1 through 11 are theology, and from 12 till 16 is the application of that theology, the knowledge of God's word. And so we're looking at this transition place in the book of Romans, and here, what we just read is a great doxology. What's a doxology? It's a short hymn of praise is what it is. Paul is in this place where he has laid out this, uh, the gospel, all the foundations in the first 11 chapters, and worship is his response to that. He's just worshiping and praising God. In particular, especially the chapters 9 through 11, which we're talking about God's election and talking about how God had a plan to save the Gentiles, how God has a plan to save the, the Jews, and he's just breaking forth in worship. That's what's happening here. He's so excited about what God is doing, the mystery of it all. That was a word that he used in previous verses in this chapter. And he's so excited. And what we'll find today, and this is the main point, is that if we have a big view of God... And if we have an honest view of ourself, then what will happen is we will be able to be humble and heartfelt worship will break forth from us. It happens automatically. One of the things when we talk about having a big view of God is God is far greater than you can ever completely comprehend. Take a look at God's word. You say, well, I know that, Dan, but that's what it says. Look at, oh, the depth. What does that word mean? In the Greek, it means extent, mystery, profundity. Oh, the depth. And you remember that word mystery was used previously. Of the riches. Riches, wealth, abundance, valuable bestowment. 
and wisdom and knowledge of God. I found in Ephesians 1, 3 through 6, look at this. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the beloved. This word depth is incredible. It means that we're never going to come to the bottom of it. It's just so incredible, so deep, never comprehended completely. And when we talk about his riches, the depth of his riches, the riches of his grace. As I was praying this morning, I was thinking about that, the riches of his grace, and I, and I think of the abundance of that, just God's grace. You look, you have been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Let that sink in. What does that all mean? It's too deep. It's too deep. But as I was thinking about the riches of his or, uh, or the, uh, um, the uh, depth of his riches, I was thinking, not only that, not only is it incredibly deep, this grace, we will never come to the bottom of God's grace. We will need it for all eternity. And that's the other thing. It never runs out. You know, we get wealth here. It's fleeting. But the wealth of the riches that the Scripture is talking about here are eternal. Isn't that incredible? That is so unbelievable. The depth of the riches who we have in Christ, that's the greatest, most beautiful treasure in the universe. And God says, you know what? There's a depth to that that you'll never really quite get at all. The depth of the riches of God towards you. And then it talks about the depth of God's knowledge God knows all things in this entire universe exhaustively. Everything. As it says in Psalms, he knows the words you're going to speak before you speak them. Think about that. It talks about in Matthew that Jesus is talking about a sparrow falls and God knows about it and he knows the number of your hairs, not the total number, but the specific individual number. Isn't that incredible? He knows everything exhaustively. Everything that has happened, everything that is happening, everything that will happen, everything that could have happened under different circumstances. He knows it all. That's the depth of his knowledge. That's why I, I'm amazed that people can can embrace the open theism belief that God doesn't know everything because otherwise how could we have free will the next day? Matter of fact is, is that God does know everything. I'm glad he does because do you realize the trouble we'd be in if he didn't? God reacting? No, God knows all things exhaustively. That's the depth of God's knowledge. What about the depth of his wisdom? What does that mean? First of all, his omniscience, which means he knows all things, is the foundation for his wisdom. 
Because wisdom is this. Wisdom is the proper application of knowledge. That's why somebody can have a whole lot of book knowledge and have no wisdom. Because they don't know how to apply it. They don't know how to put it in practice. And so what we see here is that it's talking about God's wisdom. And in particular, the wisdom that Paul is talking about here is the wisdom that is found in chapters 9 through 11. Because this is a response to that. The wisdom of God's sovereign plan to save a bunch of rebels for the Gentiles, for the Jews, that God in his wisdom put this all together. And it is too deep for us to get our heads around. We can't understand it all. And that's the point that Paul's making here. Is that God's wisdom in man's history, but more importantly, redemptive history, is so deep. How did he do all that? How did he move all this? He, He chose you from the foundations of the world, is what it says here. Verse 4, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world. How does that occur? Our response is worship. Incredible God adopted you, a rebel, an enemy of his. And God in his infinite wisdom, in his holiness, in his justice, had to make a a plan to bring these rebels into the presence of the very living, holy God without violating his justice. And that is the picture of the wisdom of of God in the gospel. The wisdom of God in, in Romans 1 through 11, that we're all sinners, separated from God, every one of us. And we see the beauty of, of how God comes and, and makes a way where there is no way. He loves a bunch of rebels enough to send Christ to come and die for our sins. That's the picture that we have here of God's wisdom, the depth of his wisdom, the depth of God's knowledge, the depth of God's blessings, God's riches. That's what we have here. He's he's trying, he's using words, he's using phraseology that is so incredibly deep that this is the best he can do. And now understand, this is the Holy Spirit inspiring Paul. And what he's basically saying is, These things are so deep, you can't understand them. You can comprehend some of it. I always say it's like a water bug skipping over the surface of the water. And underneath is the Mariana Trench. Right? That's God. And so what happens here is we see this this picture of the greatness of God. That's what Paul is, is doing. He's responding. The greatness of God. This is who our God is. This God, we're in his very, he is here. Think about that. He is here. The Spirit of God dwells within you. Just the mystery of it all. Just, don't you feel like just falling on your face right now and worshiping? Thinking about that? And that's where Paul's at. He brings these rhetorical questions in so that we might marvel at God even more. And that we might be humble because of God and who he is and who we aren't. Take a look at God's word again. For who has known the mind of the Lord 
or who has been his counselor. That's from Isaiah 40, verse 13. And then 1 Corinthians 1, 18 through 22. For the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and the discernment of the discerning I will thwart. Where is the one who is wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? And I think in a number one area, it's that the wisdom of the world says we can be good enough to earn God's favor. And he says the gospel doesn't say anything like that. That's the depth of the wisdom of God. It goes contrary to the wisdom of man. He just lays it out. This is the wisdom of God, greater, greater than man could ever hope. And the question is basically this. Who's going who's, who's to give counsel to this omniscient, all-wise God? Who's going to do that? That's the question. And the answer is no one. We'd be foolish to do that. No one's going to question this God. Yet it's amazing how many times you and I do that. How we attempt, either outright or by implication, to give God counsel about how he should run our lives and how he should run this world. Right? God, what I'm going through right now, you know, it would be a whole lot easier if this would just happen because I think I'd worship you even more. Really? Giving counsel to the all-wise God. God, what's happening now in our community, in our world, in our nation? I think what you, what you need to do, God, is this. I, I trust, God, that, you know, we couch it in these phraseology that is so spiritual, Right? But really, we're trying to give God counsel. Trying to tell him how he should run our lives and how he should run the world. Because, you know, we're so smart. Dan's so wise compared to God. See, that's the point here, is that he's trying to show the greatness of our God and how fragile and and finite we are. And he's saying, really? Really? Come on, Dan. You're giving God counsel? Telling him how you think things would run better if he did it your way? So easy to slip into that, isn't it? When we understand the depth of the wisdom and the knowledge of God, we will be able to trust Him at all times, no matter what's happening, because He is all knowing, all wise, He's all powerful, He is sovereign over all things. And so we can rest. I don't know what kind of chaos is going in your li- on in your life right now. I don't know. But there can be a peace in the midst of the struggle, not because of who you are, but because of who your God is and understanding the depth of his wisdom and his knowledge that he knows what is best for you, what is best for the world to accomplish his purposes for his glory. And so we can rest even in chaos. There can be a peace there because we know who our God is. No one can give any counsel to God, which is why his ways and his judgments are unsearchable, are inscrutable, 
to our finite minds. Take a look at God's word again. Romans eleven thirty three. 33. How unsearchable. Not, that word means not capable of being tracked. Untraceable. We look at unsearchable, it means a little different. It was used for an animal that you couldn't track. How unsearchable are his judgments. And how inscrutable. That word means undetectable, incomprehensible, his ways. Doesn't mean we can't understand any of his ways. It means we can't understand the depth of his ways. And we see that in Isaiah 55, 8 through 9. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. That's God. He's saying, you think you have a plan. Your ways aren't my ways. You don't, you don't get it. And look at this, Job chapter 12, 23 through 24. He makes the nations great, and he destroys them. He enlarges nations and leads them away. He takes away understanding from the chiefs of the people of the earth and makes them wander in trackless wastes. That's our God. So don't tell me he's out of control in the United States or around this world because my Bible says he's not. My Bible says his ways are not my ways and I'm not going to give counsel to this God so I'm going to step back and say, worthy is the lamb. I don't get it. I want my own comfort. But God, you're sovereign over all things. You're going to glorify your name in all this craziness that's happening. What a beautiful picture of our God. You see the comfort that comes with that? The peace that comes with that? The wisdom and knowledge of God? He knows all things exhaustively. He knows the, how to take that knowledge and apply it such that he would accomplish all his purposes. And that's why his ways and his judgments, how are you going to judge it? How, how are you going to complain about it? Sends the flood. Judgment on Babylon. All these other things in the world. And we go, well, maybe now. I don't know. But his, his judgments are unsearchable. They're so deep. He's got, he's got a purpose in it all. And it's a mystery to us. We're standing on the outside looking in. And he's saying, you know what? Trust me. Trust me, Dan. Trust me. The term... Judgments means judicial. It's a judicial term. And it means this. It's a mode of acting, a manner of ruling. Mode of acting or a manner of ruling. And then this word ways of God, that's the way he deals with men in his providence. Coming out of this chapter 9, which is tough for a lot of people to preach through because it's talking about divine election. And we get upset with God about that. I know I do. I struggle with that. I'm just being honest with you. That's, that's hard. That, you know, that's a tough thing. But it says it in the word of God. And who am I to judge God? His ways are beyond my ways. I don't get it. I don't understand it. But can I rest in who God is? That's the point that Paul's making. Do we rest in God? God's ways are not our ways. You know, there's Many unanswered questions that we can come up with in life, can't we? Even in the Word of God, I was saying chapter 9, 
How's God sovereign over all things, yet man's responsible? How does this free will and, and God's election work together? They do. They're in the word. How does this work? I don't know. It's a mystery. That's Paul's point. You're not going to have answers to all your questions. You can't turn and, and look at Wayne Grudem's systematic theology and find out what you want. All the answers aren't there. You can go to Calvin's commentaries, and all the answers aren't there, and some of you are ready to stone me right now. But they're not. There's mystery. There's question. We don't know. God is the only one who does. The greatness and glory of our God. And God will reveal what we need to know. He will reveal what we need to know. So trust that our infinitely greater, wiser, gracious God always has a purpose for what he causes directly or permits indirectly. There's always a, there's always a purpose behind it. Makes no sense to us, but God's got a purpose. God's got a purpose. What about your life? Is there a mystery in your life that you don't understand what God is doing? Why something is happening the way it is? Why you are the way you are? What's going on in your marriage? What's going on with your children? Are there mysteries in your life? There's mysteries in my life. And I don't understand why God is doing what he's doing and how he's doing it. I don't understand. I could give him counsel, but he really doesn't need any. Is there a mystery? Why do I have cancer? Why do I struggle in my relationship with my spouse? Why did I just get fired, God? All these questions. And God will tell us exactly what we need to know. And we need to rest and put what we don't know in his hands. We want the, the why to be answered all the time, don't we? Just like Job. Sixteen times Job asked God why. You know what God's answer was? He never answered that question. He never answered the question. He just said, I'm in charge, Job. I'm the ultimate. I've got the ultimate purpose for you. He never answered why, and God may never answer why to you either. Can you rest in that? Can you rest in that? You may never know. You may never know. But do you come to that place where, my God, the depth of his riches, the depth of his knowledge and wisdom, his judgments are unsearchable, his ways are inscrutable. I want to dive into that, God. So when I'm in the middle of this mystery, my hope is not in me. My hope is not even in an answer. My hope is in you, Lord. My hope is in you for all the mysteries of this life. So walk by faith. Walk by faith. Leaving, leaving both the ends and the means to the originator, the sustainer, the goal of all creation, God. Take a look at God's word. Or who has given a gift to him that he might be repaid? That's from Job. 
For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be glory forever. Amen. Can you just feel Paul worshiping here? And it goes in Colossians 1, 16 through 17. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things. And in him all things hold together. That's our God. And Jude 25, to the only God, our Savior, through Christ Jesus our Lord, be glory and majesty and dominion and authority before all time and now and forever. That's how it ends. The glory of God. God is the sole proprietor of this universe. Everything is from him. He is the source. He is the creator of all things. Everything is through him. He is the sustainer of all things. He is the supplier of all things. Everything is to him. Everything. That means you, creation, history, salvation, is a result, will result in God's ultimate glory. That's the picture. That's why the chief end of man is to glorify God. Because that's what God made you to do. To bring him glory. What's my life's purpose? Glorify God. There you go. Glorify God. All things are from him. All things are through him. Therefore, nothing you can do or give him will make God a debtor. He owes you. And that includes yourself. I gave my life to Jesus. Boy, is God lucky, right? That's the attitude I had. I'm being honest. That's the attitude I had. Really? He's my creator. Or our works. We try to sometimes put God in debt to us because of our works. What do you mean by that? Sometimes it can slip in real casually. Well, God, I've been a Christian for 30 years, and my child still isn't following you. God, I've been following you for 30 years. You owe me. Scary how it can slip in there so easily that we can somehow try to put God in our debt. Yet all things are, are from him and through him and, and for him. All things. And yet it's so easy sometimes to slip in there and try to put God as a debtor to us. And it, when we hear this, it sounds so foolish, doesn't it? When, you first, when I first start this, and I bring this line, and you go, well, that's not me. And I was like, whoa, whoa, maybe I do do that. And that's the glory of God. He loves us enough to show us, open up our eyes. That's what he did to me for all week. So what about this, Dan? Oh, yes, Lord. You see, that's why. What happens is this. A big view of God and an honest view of ourself will lead to humility and, and heartfelt worship. It has to. We see how great God is and how small we are. Take a look at God's word again. 1 Corinthians 1, 25 and then 30 and 31. For the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. 
Because of him, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness, and sanctification and redemption, so that as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in, in the Lord. Let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. You see, when we see ourselves in light of who God is, it humbles us. We find out he's great and I'm not. That humbles us. And when we see God in the light of who we are, it necessitates worship and praise. God, that you would love a rebel like me, that you from the foundations of the world would call someone like me, How can we not worship him? You see, worship stands and falls on our understanding of the greatness of God. That's why for uh, a couple of years ago, we did a whole series on who God is because we wanted to paint a big picture of God, a huge picture of God. And then the response is worship. So that let the one who boasts boast in the Lord. We're going to do that next week. We're going to do that next week. I want to fill you in on what's happening next week. First of all, I want you to prepare. It's going to be a service where we're going to do worship and prayer and worship and prayer and worship and prayer. The service will probably go less than what it normally does because I won't be preaching. So it's going to be a prayer and worship service. It's going to be sweet and wonderful and glorious. Because we're going to be praising God. We're going to be going to this God that we just talked about and making requests of him for his glory as a body of Christ together. I can't tell you how excited I am. I, honest to goodness, am so excited about next week. It is the first time we have ever done this in this church. First time ever. I am so excited. There will be four different prayer sections, each seven minutes. The first one will be, we're just going to worship God. We're not going to make any requests of him. We're going to use Romans chapter 11, 33 through 36, and we're just going to praise God. We're just going to worship him when we pray. Then the next section is God prepare our hearts. Get me ready, Lord. The third section is praying for La Crescent Free, all the different things. And finally, for our nation and our missionaries. And each time, what's going to happen is we're going to have suggestions on how to, things to pray about. So you don't have to guess. There's going to be a whole list of things up there that you can just Look at and pray for it. I want you to know that when we come gather together next week, here's what will happen. I'm going to introduce what we're going to do, and I'm going to ask you to break up into small groups. I have people who are willing to lead each small group in prayer. They're not there to pray the whole time. They're there to kind of prime the pump is what we used to call it, to start off prayer. And there will be suggestions up here for you. And then we're going to pray. All in our different groups, At the same time, just seeking God, praising Him, and worshiping Him. And we will stay in those small groups the entire service. Not going to move. We're just going to stay right there. And when it comes time for, we pray, and it's time for worship, we're going to stay right there in our small group and worship God, and then we're going to pray again. That's what it's going to be next week, next Sunday. God is so good because He provided us with extra nursery help. Kate, Eidecker, and Lydia are going to be downstairs. We're going to bump up the, the uh, nursery up to seven-year-olds, and the older kids are going to have something to do downstairs. So I want to encourage you 
to bring your children, bring them downstairs if you want. You can keep them up here. It's your, your call. You're the parents. I'm not. That's what we're planning to do next week. We're planning to take this verse and apply it to this body at this time. And I guarantee you this. The enemy is going to work overtime to stop you from coming. It says in 1 Thessalonians 2.18, Satan hindered us. Guaranteed, he's probably already working on it. Because some of you are thinking this, it'll be too crowded. Listen, we've got enough room. We can spread out here, we can spread out here, we can use this aisle, and if we have to, we'll go into the hallway. Don't let Satan rob you of a blessing next week. Don't, don't let that happen. And then here's the other way. But I don't like to pray out loud. Right? Public speaking is, is number one fear, right? That's as good as public speaking to me, Dan. Guess what? You don't have to pray out loud. Just sit there and hear the prayer of God's people around you. Hear the prayer of the people in your group. And God may birth something in you that you don't even understand yet. So don't let the enemy rob you of the blessing of next week. This is going to be a great time. Is it going to be clunky? Yeah, probably. Are we going to learn a bunch of what to do and what not to do? Probably. Okay, I get that. But man, I'm excited about next week. And I've got people already lined up that are willing to lead those prayer groups. Again, we're doing this for God's glory. He led us to do this months ago. I didn't know I was going to be where I was at in Romans at that time. Sovereign hand of God. So next week, this is what our plan is. And I pray that Pastor Pillow wouldn't entice you to stay home. I pray that all the plans of the enemy will not stop you from getting here. And that you would even, this week, prepare for it. Pray for God, whose group would I be in? God, help those prayer leaders. God, use that time for your glory. Take Romans chapter 11, 33 through 36, and just start praising God with it all week. So when we get to that first prayer section, you're already rolling. Amen? Brothers and sisters, we serve a great God. The depth of whom we can never understand. And yet he is here. He called us. He brought us together. And he is going to exalt his name through his word and his people. And he did that today, I hope, in your hearts. That your understanding of who God is is just kind of being shattered. And you're going, wow, God, I knew, I know, I knew all this stuff, God. This is nothing new. Help me to meditate on it. That I might be humble. God, that I might be humble. And worship would break forth in my heart because of your greatness. Amen? Let's pray. Lord, we stand in awe of you today, our great God, seated in the highest place, the depth of your riches and your wisdom and your knowledge, God, are so beyond our understanding completely. Lord, that your judgments are unsearchable, your ways are inscrutable. God, everything is from you is through you. God, everything is to you. You are worthy, Lord. And I pray, God, that you would work this deep in our hearts, 
and that you would even now prepare us for next Sunday. God, do a work in us. Open up our eyes to your greatness and your love for us, Lord. Do this so your name would be glorified. And all God's people said, amen. Let's stand and continue to worship.